Heaven high. Heaven high to everybody who is listening, which is one person as our conceit goes. This is episode 236 of the Rum Doings franchise. Uh, John was intentionally uh, assaulted butchered. and uh, butchered, assaulted and injured the other day. Um, but I believe he can now speak again, which is good. Uh, the topic today is, has the Bieber bubble burst? And and um, John's going to tell us all about the vital organs that have been rent asunder from his corpulent body. It is fat. It is a fat one. Is it a fat one, or is it gotten, is it getting better? I do. I would like it to get better. I'm a bit sick of being fat. Okay. Well, why don't you just start breastfeeding then, and the baby will suck the fat out. Okay. All right. There you go. Thanks, thanks for your advice, Agony Aunt. List literal liposuction. Why are you still not loud enough? I turned you up. Can you just be... I can't be bothered to stand up again. Can you just be a bit louder? No, because the listener will be upset. You're just going to have to listen carefully. Okay, I'll, do, I'll be more precise in my listening. Okay. So, I haven't actually spoken to you about the your your NHS adventures ooh, ooh, uh, at all. I've I've reserved that for this very here moment so well, um that and because you didn't care well obviously i don't care but i care enough that it might make marginally interesting radio video okay i'm gonna have to turn you up because you're far too quiet you're not allowed to stand up i have to but i thought your doctor laura said that here. laura's gone out she's not waiting on me hand and foot why not there we go i can hear you now i don't know how you knew you could hear me considering i wasn't speaking at that point because I heard that in the background. That's how I knew. Are you reclining? Like... It's too loud now. Oh, I'm just going to kill myself. Is Are that you... okay? Yes. Is that okay, lovey? I, I think everybody really would want you to. You're causing all sorts of trouble. You're, you've What was a slick introduction to yes. this podcast has now turned into your usual meandering amateurish mess. Slobbing there... all over the place. I'm, I'm very angry with you. I, I, wish, I wish you had died on the operating place. table. I really wish you had died on the operating table. I know, I know you do. Every time you go into general anaesthetic, I pray to Lord Jesus that he might take you. Yeah, I know. And each time he says, no thanks. He's <laughs> your problem, Nick. Jesus. Literally. Um, yeah. So, so, tell everybody what you had ripped out of you we've discussed it before but you know you can it, if you fi- it finally if you don't happened care, we don't have to talk about it nick it's fine it's probably the most interesting thing that's happened to you let's be honest that's true at least i've had an interesting thing happen to me <laughs> i had my gallbladder removed did you get to keep it that's always no! obviously that's the most important question after any yeah. surgery but that's not even on it's not even on the table why how dare I, these people? Is there a conspiracy? I think so. I think they're selling them out back in a little market stall. They're selling them to Chinese people as an aphrodisiac. Yes. I mean, Chinese people with their gallbladders. And not quite humanity. That's that's a horrible thing to say. As you would say. I would hope you're going to apologise to our Chinese listener. <laughs> um, do you, uh, as long as they understand through the universal translator, because obviously, you know, they speak the strange alien language. That's true. So, um, yeah, you had your gallbladder removed. I was in two minds about it, but I decided to allow your conventional doctors to have their way. So it's very I, sweet of you. So well, I allowed the reason you to... being, the, the, the reason not to is because of the whole 
fat digestion thing, but it turns out that there's a lot of non- stuff and nonsense, and the liver does a perfectly good job of that without the gallbladder. The gallbladder is essentially uh, uh, an intern that the liver really doesn't need. Well, the, the, the gallbladder is like a buffer, isn't it? It's a, it's a it's an intern that the liver has in for work experience. Are you telling me can that really get by on the job without him coming in anyway? You have to adapt. Obviously, you can't suddenly start having uh, custard. Well, I had ice cream yesterday, and I'm fine. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we should all have our gallbladders removed then. I think so too. I've uh, now had my appendix out and my gallbladder out. I'm far more efficient than you. <laughs> so, um, so because you were having stones, weren't you? Yeah, so apparently there were stones in there, and um, the reason that you have to care... Because it, it hurts once every six months or something like that. That's mm. my, been my experience. Um, and But the reason you have to care about that is because if they decide to go for a little trip out the gallbladder and onwards, they go to the pancreas or the liver, and then that causes the symptom of being dead. That seems very odd for just a little stone. Surely the pancreas or the liver could just spit it out. I'm going to absolutely... This podcast is a disaster. What the hell are you Not doing? microphone again. You're too loud now. This is more standing up than I've done in three days. I hope that everybody feels the same hatred for you that I feel I for feel you it. now. I feel it. I'm going to edit out my, my microphone bangs. Don't worry. Oh, you really are a wretched creature, aren't you? I know, you? I know. So, yeah. This so is what happens that. when you have your gallbladder removed. You just become pathetic. And incompetent and unprofessional with regard to audio Well, the problem is, I'm in an armchair, because it's the only thing that lets me recline adequately. What about a bed? You could be lying on your back. No, lying down hurts. Lying flat hurts, and sitting up hurts. But lying in a slouched position, which is, in fairness, my most practised position. It is, yes. Is the most comfortable I have found, which has meant, and this is awful, obviously, but I've been having to sit in this comfy armchair and play video games. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, you've you've queued me up, haven't you? So, in other words, nothing's changed there. <laughs> Normally, I sit in my upright Fish desk chair. Pips. Yes. So, uh, you had your. How long did the NHS take to um, whip it out from the well, moment that they thought they might should? Oh well, in, in, there are two different tales. There, one is the tale of ten months. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was diagnosed in May. Mm-hmm. And they said, "Well, have it. You know, they're 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 required to do these operations within eighteen weeks." Yes, that that's what they have to pretend that they're required to do. But then they 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 have some marvelously creative ways of getting out of that requirement while still pretending that they've been fine. So, what what trick did they use with you? They used the trick of just not ever getting in touch, which is quite a clever one. I've had that happen as well, and then I've fallen off the roll and said, oh, the computer, the computer, we'll have to put you back on again. And then, and then, of course, it's not recorded as a missed target, which is very clever. So I went, I was, I finally got an operation date in November, which I couldn't go through with, because by the time they came through that, I'd already booked the holiday to Lapland. Okay, stop. It's not the NHS fault, it's your fault. No, you no, no, be that one. Listen, listen, No, I don't care. I've, 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 I've already, the, the, the gavel's already come down. Whatever else happens next, the gavel's come down. Fortunately, and... I don't recognise your kangaroo court. <laughs> um, listen, listen, listening is. So, the, uh, the, yes, the, the fact that they didn't manage to get the date within the 18 weeks and apparently had just abandoned me meant booking a holiday wasn't entirely my fault but yes i couldn't do the date they said because i wouldn't have been able to fly and the money had already been spent so we then look we got another date for the end of what is that noise in the background with you um it's my fan it's very loud i know i've got something on my computer that appears to be using up lots of cpu time Can i you think imagine imagine 
imagine. I think it's, it's a very, very round, Nicholas. I think it's a very, very complicated uh, analytical bit Some. of software called called Thunderbird. You know, so of course <laughs> it's causing the CPU fan to go. Do they crazy. still do Thunderbirds? I didn't know they still made Thunderbirds. Well, they still make it, but they can't be bothered to actually improve it in any way. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't like remote. I don't like local e- email. I like it all to be on the cloud so other people can read it. Yes, it's, it's only polite. Yes, indeed. Anyway, um, yeah. So then, any they, excuse me, sorry. Any who? Any who? Thank you. Any who? Jesus. They booked me in for the end of January, and then the two day, three days before, or the one working day before the operation, they cancelled it. Which that's is... psychologically affecting. But hold on. What? To be fair, though, they had given you your operation within eighteen months. Weeks? Months. No, because you cancelled in November, so you restarted the stop clock. And no, they said they were I did not. I did not. You restarted not, the stop clock. I did not. That's not how it works. Anyway. It is how it works. And they and didn't do it because they cancelled it themselves. So they did no such thing. Anyway, they cancelled that one um, the Friday before the Monday it was meant to happen. And then they finally got me this one the 6th of March. Was it in the hellish Gormenghast hospital that you had your appendix done or in some new uh, it PFI It was the hospital? same hospital, but thank the Lord, not the same ward. Right. Um, I never went on to a ward, um, thank goodness. I was just in temporary accommodation. And so, I, you know, I assume it, it, it was um, general. Yeah, absolutely. They don't offer these things locally, sadly. Right. So, so, so uh, how you've, you've been under quite a few times now. How does this compare with your previous going under experiences? Um. It's hard to say. Well, the appendix was over 10 years ago now, I think. And then... Nonsense. We talked about it on this podcast. No, we, we, we may have discussed it, but it was mm. it was back when I was living with Jonty. Goodness me, it was a long time ago. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's there's that. And then, then before that, it was my nose when I was a teenager. So it's a very long, you know, mm. it's been long gaps. It's hard to compare. I wasn't sick this time. It came around... Nice and easy. The noise, this is very distracting. You have to do something. Nobody, I can barely it's, focus. it's fine. Nobody else will hear it, I promise you. Well, how come it's not being picked up by your mic if I'm hearing it? Nobody else will hear it, uh, I they promise will. you. You're lying. So... Jonathan, stop your nonsense. Stop your meta-nonsense. You're just causing people angst. I'm, I'm feeling a lot of angst as I'm trying to think about my important news. And, and did, you, um, but did you do the countdown? No, we were just chatting. They just nice casual chatting. The anaesthetist was a lovely chap, and he had a very pretty uh, trainee anaesthetist with him. Anaesthetists are always good. Mm. They're always well. In my always. from what I've seen, they seem to always be the most give off the air of the most competent member of staff in the NHS. That, you, that... Here's my theory. My theory for that: you have to be a proper real life doctor to be an anaesthetist. It's not like you can just tear yeah. up the page on anaesthesiology. Yes. Um, however, it's not a romantic. Uh, doctory position is it no so i think you have to have a very specific personality to be willing to go through all that and then not take the glory of being a surgeon in that room yes but you also have to realize that um you could easily kill somebody oh that's true i said to the man before we went in there because you meet uh, it's it's all done very well i got to the hospital at seven thirty. Well, I got there at about 20 past seven, thinking, oh, are well, they going to be annoyed because the, the thing opens at, t- at half seven? Are they going to be annoyed mm. that I'm early? And walked into an absolutely jam-packed room of people who were there well ahead of me. Mm. Um, I was one of the latest to arrive. But I was first to be seen. Hooray! Huzzah. 
Um, because of the, how long it had taken, they, they put me first on the list and tried to there, but and did their best to keep me there and succeeded. Mm-hmm. So, but you have to go and meet, you meet someone from the surgical team, someone, f- and a nurse, and then an, someone from an anesthetics team mm-hmm. before you go in and they all talk yeah, you through the same exact thing over and over again. Yeah, of course. So Anuth just said, do you have any questions? And I said, I do have one. I said, is it still true that you don't know how anesthetic works? And he said, well, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> He said, we understand what drugs we're giving you. We understand which what drug does what and what part of your brain each drug is reacting with. We just don't know, don't know why how. or how no, why. they do that. And then he said, but we, the same is also true of paracetamol. So It's true. Well, we know what happened with the paracetamol. Yes, the aspirin in the jungle. <laughs> had had eaten them all and a lion ate it it's 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 a great pity that the parrots ate them all because now the parrots have had a, or acute liver failure and they've gone extinct that's true but they didn't have a headache and that's what matters so yeah so yeah they don't know how it works but they kind of trust that it does and apparently the drugs are very different from what i would have had 10 years ago it's a whole different cocktail these days and is it less likely that you'll wake up paralyzed on the um no table? No, I don't think so. Because, and the reason I say that is because of a little... So everything went, went, went very well. I was in at 7.30. I was home before 5. So I think that's spectacular. But yes. um, I did spend three and a half hours in the recovery room because someone forgot to write my name on a whiteboard. Right. <laughs> so that's classic NHS for you. Yes, that, that's very... Uh, that, that, that's so NHS. Yes. But it meant I got the advantage of spending lots of time with the very lovely uh, recovery ward nurses who were just uh, people who their job is just to be someone's nurse for about an hour yeah. and then and move on. So it's a very temporal job. So Temporary, having someone... Bef- you mean? No, it, it exists within time. So yeah, uh, I think, tell me a job that doesn't exist within time that isn't Jesus's job. Doctor Who. So uh, oh no, the, Doctor Who doesn't exist in time. Yeah. Uh, um, he's he's a i guess he wouldn't therefore be called a time lord oh bugger um uh, what about the electrons we were discussing last time electrons okay yes their job yes. doesn't exist in time thank Fine. you ah you oh, somebody somebody on the uh, on your blog got very angry with me about all that and said i hadn't been uh, excruciatingly physically precise and and how dare you not have a degree and a phd but in also subject. but also didn't seem to understand i was just uh, i was just giving an example of entanglement i thought that was uh, what i thought all entanglement was and then he also said that um no the the concepts of um, quantum mechanics are not simple. I said, no, I'm not saying... <laughs> I'm, I, said, I'm not, I'm, I said, I'm not saying that the maths is simple, and I'm not saying that the conclusions are simple, but the actual rules of the game, the rules of the quantum game, are very simple. There are only three of them, and you know, once, you, once you've done all the maths, then the rules are very simple. What comes out of the rules is astonishingly complex and bizarre. But, you know, the fact that uh, you can't... Uh, you can't tell something's position or um, or velocity with infinite precision because you can only tell one variable at a time. That's that's not particularly complicated. The rules of quantum mechanics, when distilled down, are easier than the rules of football. So stop that nonsense. It's just that what results from them and how we get to those rules are astonishingly complex. Anyway, back I to think, your no, story. No, 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 no. This is important. This is important. I think that person needs to realise that the thing they've spent so much time working on and caring about and dedicated to isn't as hard as they thought it was and it's not as impressive. No. That they no, did it as they you're, no, it you're parodying. What, the, the road to it is hard and the road from it is hard. Just but the little house is as soft a as a marshmallow. Two. Little peg. They need to come down a peg or two. Just a peg or two. 
No, I think that what, what is impressive about quantum mechanics and the complexity is how simple all that complexity uh, d- kind of distills into. And that's what makes it so compelling and such a beautiful theory. Because if you have complexity that just leads to very, very complex rules with lots of exceptions, then that's not kind of elegant. What's really elegant in science is where you have a, a huge road of complexity that leads to some really, really simple rules and then have, you move away from them and think, oh my goodness, the implication of these rules is that our whole basis of, 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 of understanding reality is flawed. I have that's, a question. That's what's beautiful. It wouldn't be such a beautiful theory if it was just complexity leading to complexity leading to complexity. I have a question for you, and it's a very stupid question. Good. I love stupid questions. But this is something I John, thought of. John, there's, oh, no such th- there's no such thing as a stupid question. What is a curtain? So, when I was at <coughs> school... Oh, good grief, I'm just broken. When I was at school in a physics lesson... Yavor. And I realised that this question is the same as the frog, the frog paradox, but um, I held an eraser and I dropped it from my hand so it hit the desk. Yes. And I asked the question, why does it hit the desk if there's always a midpoint between where it is and where it's going to go? Uh, oh, but well I've done. never had a satisfactory well, I don't know the answer well, well well done for restating Zeno's arrow paradox okay, well, which, was tell stated, me. which was stated by ancient Greek with, with the name I of Mr. Zeno I think it's reasonable at 15 I thought of the same thing the, the uh, modern answer would be um, the um, be, because uh, space and time are not infinitely fluid and they are subdivided and you have something called the, uh, the what was it? Oh, suddenly, it's not the Planck constant. It's the 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 Planck limit. There, yeah, the Planck length, which is kind of the the minimal quantum length that something can exist in. In other words, everything's digital. So it's a bit like saying, why can I move an object across my monitor from? one one side to the other side if there are an infinite number of positions no, no there aren't an infinite number of positions there are only 1024 pixels and they're either in pixel 1 or pixel 2 they can't be in pixel 1 and a half but that does that and that's reality reality doesn't break down to a limited number of pixels it, it does it's called the planck length okay fair enough that's a good answer thank you there you go it's very that's very bad i thought of that in 1995 that's it's okay, very very it? tiny it's very very tiny and indeed i think xeno that what's really interesting about the xeno paradox and there are some others to do with time and that is that he was intuiting in these paradoxes that there must be something quantum about the universe yes. and there must be something relative about space and time uh and there were some uh, ancient philosophers who were kind of musing upon this and got tantalizingly close to making that conclusion. So it does show you that uh, these physicists are Johnny Come Latelys. That's good. With, with their little test tubes. So the the uh, in the recovery... sorry sorry that that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I really wish physicists... you stopped this. You know, at the end when you finish speaking, that's the turn for me. To no, I, I don't. Go. I don't care about your your I organless know. speech. Um, I, 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 but I made a mistake and I have to correct it. I said physicists with their test tubes, and of course the para the parody of a physicist is not with a test tube. That's a chemist. Yes, you're an idiot. So I apologise. Carry on with your story. Physicists with their their nuclear bombs. No, I'm trying to think. What was that? Oh, I, I screwed it up. What's that thing where you hold your your index finger pointy out, your thumb pointy up, and your ring your middle finger pointy left? One of the Maxwell rules. Yeah, that'll do. Mm. So, uh, in the recovery room, because I spent so long there, I got to watch lots of other people coming around from their anaesthetics, which was entertaining. It should be a TV show. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and there was the lady who kept trying to get up while still being asleep. And um, I, I've noticed there's a, a property in humans that some some people are able to focus very well on the task they're doing. And I'm not talking about multitasking and monotasking. I'm talking about observation. So there are people who, if they are doing a thing, that's all that they see. Right. Whereas, like what? Give an example in everyday life. Well, so a nurse is uh, changing someone's uh, drip. Yes. And so all she sees in the room is the drip and the patient. Whereas... I seem to be the sort of person who sees everything that's happening all the time, um, right. such that no one in the room noticed that this unconscious lady was trying to get out of bed while r- wired into it. Right. And I was having to shout, excuse me, hello, <laughs> to try and well, get someone a... to turn around and notice this woman. Well, what's interesting, apparently one of the definitions uh, and one of the aspects of autism is that you can't focus on particular data and exclude others. You've got the whole world's sense data constantly hmm. vying for equal attention in your brain which is why you kind of just turn into yourself and apparently that's that, that that's a that's a that's a part of autism so maybe you're slightly autistic perhaps hmm. although anyway, you so could noticed... focus on what you thought was important so maybe not i noticed this lady and 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 as i don't know what would have happened if i hadn't there was a girl a teenage girl who was um uh, really really struggling and she'd gone blind because of the anesthetic so that was exciting did she say that she couldn't what? see and she was extraordinarily distressed. So she was... She didn't have bandages around her eyes, did No, she? no, no. She just... Everything was too bright and she couldn't see. And I didn't know if this was the thing. And then one of the nurses said, it's okay, it's fine. I had another man earlier this morning, exactly the same thing. He's completely fine now. You can just relax. But she couldn't relax because she was half unconscious and utterly terrified, didn't know where she was and couldn't see. And that was... So she was very distressed. Oh, it's um, interesting. My my experience of coming out of uh, general anaesthetic is, as I've said before, to feel possibly because one time I was, I had morphine, but another time I didn't, and I always feel quite cosy, like I'm having a nice lie in, and I feel very well disposed to the world. See, I woke up and the nurse said, "Hi, John, you're coming round." Blah blah, and I said, "I remember just talking about being." Com- just talking madness to her, and the only thing I can remember saying is, "I'm having seventeen dreams at once." <laughs> I, I remember the, the, when I'm feeling very grateful and affectionate, but not, not, obviously not sexual affection, but just genuine affection and gratefulness to the nurses for looking after oh, me in nice. that ward. It was like, it was like uh, obviously that wore off, but the initial feeling <laughs> was, aren't these people nice to be looking after us all like this? My goal in any situation like that, whenever I'm in, uh, in, a, in a hospital room like that, is to be the nurse's favourite. Oh, of course, of course, it's my goal. But it's, uh, but if you have one of these many sociopathic nurses, yes, that's very difficult and a bad. I got so lucky on on uh, on Monday this week. I had every nurse I encountered was completely brilliant, and that's never happened before. Um, really? There's always at least one sociopath in the mix, but everyone was fantastic. I had such Spooky. a positive experience. Yeah, it was it was really brills, and I was able to sort of take them all aside, as it were, at the end, and thank everyone for how brilliant they were, and that was really nice. Did, do you think they appreciated your thanks, or do you think you you were just kind of wasting their time? And no, they I said, don't oh, think "We've got so. work to do. I don't want it to." Wasn't hear like it. it was just a case of catching their eye and making sure I said thank you with some eye contact, and I think that's nice. There was one lady I didn't even interact with, but I overheard her talking to an eighty-year-old. Um, she was an anaesthetist, and she went and she said, "Now she was shouting to him, which is why I heard the conversation because he was eighty. And she mm-hmm. said, "Now I understand you're in some pain, and I want to talk to you about it." And she just sat down and let him talk for about fifteen minutes. It was a long time about his pain, and she just listened, and that's what he needed. And she kept you. My little uh, trolley had been parked next to the sink where they're all washing their hands, mm-hmm. so I was able to say to her 
I said, I thought you were amazing with that guy. And she said, well, but and she was trying to feel modest. I said, no, 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 no. It was absolutely, it was exactly what he needed. And that was brilliant. And she said, well, I may have screwed up a block this morning, but at least I can listen. Screwed up a what? A block, which I think <laughs> is a spinal block. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I killed somebody, but I listened to a rambling old man. <laughs> um, but it, yes, it was a very positive experience. It was, it was quite interesting. And there was, oh, there was the man with the tube up his nose and down his throat who was furious about the tube and needed to tell everyone they didn't like it. And he wanted it out and it was horrible and he didn't need it and he could swallow just fine. And he was very grumpy and he was cross that his heart rate was higher than he's expecting it to be. Because I do lots of running and I don't like my heart rate being this high. Well, being grumpy um, was not going to help it be low. <laughs> I know, it was very odd. Especially since my heart rate was literally double his at that time. How Was he young then? No, he was in his 50s, I think. So, well, that's strange. He was obviously very fit, but he was also obviously a a control freak. I would imagine my guess would be a senior business type person. Yeah. He was used to being in control in a room and didn't like having these nurses. Unfortunately, the nurse... Type he... A personality in hospital, I'm sure. Yes, like indeed. He had, a, he had his nurse assigned was a lady called Liz. And I felt um, the one atmosphere I got from the room was that the others didn't like Liz and bullied her a bit, the other nurses. Oh, no. Which I found really upsetting. Was there Liz... any differentiation from Liz? Was she yes. older? Was she a different race? What? She was the only non-white nurse. Ah, but was she, she, was, rub- was she, she was rubbish Indian. and bossy? She was Indian absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful um with a my, you know i've always said before that the indian accent is my favorite uh, so, also also absolutely beautiful is going to get her going to get her um, hate and very shy and i don't know if she was ne- te- necessarily that the most competent she didn't cope well with this guy and she what she should have done is told him to shut up which i think the nurse i had would have absolutely literally just said shut up and leave it alone um, whereas with her, she was like, please, please stop pulling the tube. And he goes, I'm not pulling it. I'm not pulling it. She in it while pulling it. And she was saying, please, please stop pulling it. Please stop pulling it. In a sort of feeble voice. But brilliantly, later on, they had a guy coming in who had obviously had a very serious operation and they needed to hook up a special machine that allowed him to press the button to make the morphine come out whenever he wanted. Delicious. Um, and the, the nurse I had, who was obviously in charge on the ward, didn't know how this machine worked. And she said, does anyone know how this machine works to the room? And Liz said, I do. And she had to ask Liz for help to ask her to set it up and that was I oh, that must have annoyed her i quite well it wasn't no one was it was, it was more complicated than just the bitchy nurse being annoyed but mm. it was the power the power balance was addressed by that and that was quite nice but what's interesting uh, you say that she was indian but she had the name liz that's either either they uh, she's called liza bahan or something and they say yeah. oh we'll just, we'll just call you liz or she <laughs> has an interesting background i don't know do mm. not know and obviously wasn't compass mentis enough to um pity to pull it all to all the all the clues together, I was doing my best, but it was a yeah. So I had a generally quite nice time. The other thing when I woke up, apart from having, it really did feel like seventeen rooms <coughs> at once. I because I you don't dream when you're under anaesthetic and you don't have no, any no. perception of time. No. Um, but, but when so, you're coming out, you do have some. Strange... But suddenly you get this weird rush of time in <laughs> the strangest mm. sensation. But at the same time, I also got a rush of intense pain, and my fear that's unusual. Ira- my fear, irrational though it was, this bloody microphone. This bloody John Walker. I know. My fear, irrational though it was, was that even though they removed the gallbladder, I would continue having the gallbladder pain. Right. That's what I got. My well, fear not was not necessarily irrational. I say, oh, they thought it was the gallbladder, exactly. but actually, it's some. I've got, I've got cancer of the yeah. tummy. Exactly. So that's what. And so when I came out of the pain, and I, funnily enough, my gallbladder, which hadn't hurt for about six months, decided to have one last hurrah over the weekend. Oh, really? And, Just yeah. To- it went make it clear. All right, it's like enough. I'm not, and it and rather than just lasting five or six hours like it normally would, it lasted uh, thirty six hours. 
I would have really wanted to keep the thing, and also especially if I could have seen a, some stones inside. I, it. Well, I had a look at some photographs online before I went in, and it's so disgusting. And, and as someone who doesn't care about disgusting things, this was actually way gross. Well, I don't think bile is particularly pretty, is it? No, and the, the organ itself is pretty disgusting. It's sort of tapered worm-like thing. Yeah. Um, and the uh, and the stones themselves. Well, my, apparently my. Uh, Laura's grandmother, Laura's maternal grandmother, kept her stones in a jar for the rest of her life. I would, I would want to do that. I, w- I, I, I would have liked to have seen. I would. The thing is, you don't speak to anyone afterwards who knew, who knows what happened. The anaesthetist popped in to see me, and that was it. Hmm. So I don't know. Even if they took it out, for instance. Yes. Well, they took um, out the right organ. Maybe you don't exactly. have a pancreas at the moment. Yeah. Do you feel? Does it feel any better now, or are you still? No. So it just feels that uh, excruciating as it did. No, not excruciating. It's a, a, it's absolutely extraordinary how manageable the pain is. That's the thing that's really blown me away. I'm, um, I've spent. Uh, so I woke up this morning and thought I was better. I thought, oh, I'm all better. This is brilliant. And I got out of bed and I got dressed and then I went, oh no, I'm not. Right. Um, and that's the thing I have to keep. Rem- that's how that that's how manageable it is. I have to keep reminding myself not to try to do normal things. Are you taking any analgesics? Paras- I'm just taking paracetamol when I remember. It's that no, you're mild. Not- I told you the parrots have eaten them all and have had liver failure. Sorry, but um, and that, that's 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 it. When and I'm forgetting to take them is how is how minor it all is. It's so long as I don't do stuff. It, so I make so I think oh I'm fine. I'll go downstairs and make some and make make a sandwich or something, and then that takes it out of me, and then I have to have a sit down. But mm. um, so I'm going to try going for a little walk this afternoon. Well, you've talked about sociopathic nurses or otherwise. How's Laura been as a nurse? She's um, she's brilliant. Really. It's really rubbish timing. You know, we've just found out that the um, FSH treatment hasn't worked and we're going to have to do IVF. The FSH treatment always never works. It's, it's a kind of a bit of a cargo cult treatment in that, you know, it's kind of a last hazard. But the, the evidence base for it is astonishingly awful if you've ever actually looked at it. So I'm not surprised. Well, you, they can pay us back the £1,000 then. I think you should demand and say, excuse me, show me your full evidence base. And if they give you some tatty epidemiology, say, I want my money. There was a strong. There was a. They, they made it very clear to us that the, that the, it was the two ways it goes wrong. One is nothing happens, which is what we had, but had. Yes. Or two, it, you overstimulate and you have to abandon the cycle because otherwise you'd have um, eighty children. Exactly. Yes. So Laura unfortunately did the the former. The latter yeah. is better because the latter means great. You, we, we know you're a perfect candidate yeah. for IVF. So we've now got a stop and start again and it's going to be a lot more expensive so laura's You're... just just got that news at the same time that laura's got a cold uh-huh. at the same time that laura's mum's just you know recovering from cancer surgery yes. and now she's having to look after me so yeah quite a lot going on and she's being extraordinary but in all seriousness bearing in mind the trouble you're having to go through and you've got one perfectly adequate child why really why i mean not just the kind of pat answer why do you so desperately want one more i would argue that there's not desperation about it we've taken it a feels long... desperate because you you're you're going through all sorts of personal and financial hell to get there no i mean there are perfectly no... good answers to that question but i just i'm curious what yours is the desperation is is in your head we are both quite relaxed about it we've in, in order to get pregnant so it's sort of it's it's almost like a a, a, con- a series of consequences to get pregnant with Toby. Laura had to go through a whole bunch of tests and and and, and pills. So we had to do the whole Clomid thing, and 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 that was and we had to go through. She had a operation to and but, you uh, and and of course very importantly the metformin. 
Exactly. So she had to take lots of different pills. She had to have surgery. We had to do a lot of things to get Toby. Yeah. So we knew it wasn't going to be simple to go again. Um, but we thought the same treatment would work. So we did the same treatment. And when that didn't work, they then say to you, ah, oh, the same treatment hasn't worked. So well, now we'll try this. And she goes, okay, we'll try this. And that hasn't worked. And now we'll try this. So it's a very kind of natural progression. It's not a, oh, God, we have to have a baby. We'll do anything. And I've been, you know, and I've obviously, when it comes to IVF, this is very intrusive for Laura it at is. this point. For me, it's, 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 it makes it odd. So very much the emphasis has been, uh, has been on, is Laura, is this something Laura's willing to, well, it's, to it's, do? It's, it's very intrusive, very expensive. And you have, and I just, I, I would, I, I kind of would understand it if you had no children, because I, the, the, the I'd have one, it's kind of, once you've had one, um, somebody said the reason that you have the other is in order to be in you know, because I think my brother said said this and he heard it from somebody that you you have a child and then you want to give everything to you can to that child to ensure that that child's life is as good as it can be and one of the things that you can give to that child in order to ensure that that child's life is as good as it can be is a sibling so that's you inter- that's interesting. That, but, but, but what's interesting is that then becomes the same for the sibling you make. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was that honestly was uh, going to be the big part of my answer. I really want Toby to be a brother to someone or a sister. He might don't don't be so heteronormative, <sighs> and you know you're already assigning gender. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You um, want a sibling? Just say a sibling. Toby uh, is is definitely a. He shows us that he is a boy, and that boys are prettiest and boys are best. So, oh, okay, so he's actually a male supremacist. Yes. Okay, fair enough. So I think you should apologise to him for your assumptions. Sorry, Toby. So, yeah, um, I would really like for him to be a brother. And I would, I, I've, I, I have no really good answer. I've always wanted two kids. I love the idea of a brother and sister is my ideal, but brother and brother would be fine. Um, and I like the idea of them having him having someone to play with at home. I think it shapes and him, it will shape him much better than being on his own. Um, and it's how I grew up. It's my normality. So I sort of want that normality for him. I think that's quite common as well. But it is interesting. You are then, you're framing this all in what's best for Toby. And then, but that immediately has the same effect on the other sibling. Yeah, well, that's I the know, point. Yeah, I, so want then, then other, then... I want this other sibling to have a, have a big brother. And... Yeah, so it then flips around. But yeah. then there's no, really, there's no real argument to have three. No, absolutely none whatsoever. <laughs> no. Um, but you're one of three, aren't you? So Yes. How do you justify your parents' behaviour? Um, well, I think that... Well, we don't really know, do we? I mean, do, which 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 one of us was wanted? Or, or <laughs> well, you were first, so surely you're the most wanted. I, I'm obviously the most wanted. The <laughs> other two, well, let's toss a coin. <laughs> which one of you... Which one of... If you had to kill one of them, which one would you kill? Um, no, that's not fair. <laughs> I, 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 you wimp! I, no, I would. I would do, do a random choice. That's the only way I would do it. I would toss a coin again. I don't know. I think Gregory's the more useful of the two. No, not necessarily. I mean, <laughs> if you look at what they've achieved in life, Ian's uh, received a PhD. He's written a book. He's got tenure at a university. He's a professor. Whereas Gregory's just a, a lawyer who gets criminals off. So you know, who's the who who's who, See, who's the real you, evil I man? I you into choosing. You chose Gideon. Yeah, but that that wouldn't have been the, ah, you see, that wouldn't have been the initial choice. But you see, the the other choices are you, the way you'd usually make the choices. You do something like, well, which one's a father? So which one will be missed by the child? But they both got a child. Yep. 
So you can't use that. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's a tough choice, isn't it? It is. Well, you have to choose because one of them does have to die. Well, which of your... Well, I'll just toss a coin. Which of... I'd use randomization. Which, yeah. of, which of your sisters would you kill? I only have the one, so I just kill her. Okay. Yeah, it's a much easier decision. Exactly. It's really easy. I um, listened to a podcast the other day called Rum Doings. Really? You, yeah. you never do that. You said I know. it's too weird. It is too weird. I, we, we were driving back from Laura's parents at the weekend. Uh-huh. And um, Laura said she fancied listening to Rum Doings. So I said, okay, well, I'll put it on, but with the right to veto if it gets too weird. Which episode? The very most recent, so the last one. Oh, no, that was no good. It wasn't. No, that's not true at all. It was a good episode. It was a nice jubbly round the subject. I, I would not want to sit through and listen again a second time to our talking about Trump. because I heard it the first time, yeah. so I wouldn't want to go through that twice. But when we jump all over the place and the topics change at random. And do you know what, we re- what, we've, what we've got to do is um, maybe we'll do this next time if you're sufficiently recovered. Uh, and somebody did mention doing this a while back is we should randomly choose an episode from say within the first 100 yep and listen to it and then react and then we'll discuss what what we think of ourselves and what we were saying and whether we changed or anything like that it'll be an interesting bit of uh retroactive introspection so we should do that you do rather say, make a large assumption there what's that that it would be interesting no, I think it, yeah, by definition, it will be interesting. I think anything where you go back in time like that and you look at, and you look at the you who is now dead, well, that we itself We could just is start from episode one and then could, we could just become a recursive podcast. Yes. <laughs> After 235 episodes, 36 episodes, we'll just then loop back around to discussing our discussing ourselves and... Oh, somebody somebody mentioned said I've I've noticed something. You seem to always talk about throughout all the episodes. One constant is Nick's talking about the second law of thermodynamics. Said, well, that's been a con- I can assure you that that's, that's well been a constant. beyond the podcast. Yes, that's been a constant of knowing Nick since since he was nineteen years old. Exactly. Once I realised once I realised that that law existed at school, that was that was the end of everything. I remember so. nearly every discussion on um, Bemley would end with your. Uh, in, in, um, Saying nothing the, really uh, matters heat because heat death of the universe. Yes, exactly. So actually, none of this nonsense matters. It matters to me right now. I'm ex- I'm experience as I experience it. Yeah. Mm. So I disagree. How's Lucy? Awful. Is how's she reacting to your current situation? She doesn't care. <laughs> but she's not jumping on your tummy or. Oh no! Because she doesn't you. do that anyway. Because she's that would involve her having some sign of affection. <laughs> She just has she has some sort of extraordinary. I I wish this were an exaggeration. I wish this were oh wacky wacky, but yeah. she has a, some sort of detector in her brain that can tell when Toby is just just falling asleep, and then you'll hear the cat flap go, and then I'll frantically be texting Laura, "Don't bloody well, don't let her come upstairs, don't let her come upstairs, for God's sake, shut her downstairs," and then uh, Laura won't look at her phone, and then Lucy will be outside the door screaming. She did it two nights ago. Laura had just got Toby to sleep, and there she was, and he was and he was wide awake again. What is she screaming about? Just nothing. Just scre- she's sc- I'm in. I'm in the house. I exist. <laughs> she 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 turned out to be a bit of a disappointing. Oh, but it's the if she came in the house and did this, you know, seventeen times a day, it'd be it would mm. make sense. But she does it the moment Toby's falling asleep every sodding day. <laughs> Oh, uh, <sighs> uh, yeah. The other big problem with Lucy is every uh, three months I have to write 150 words about her. So, 100, if only 750 words about her. Yes, it used for to be a magazine. Dexter. 
And she doesn't yeah. do anything interesting. And I'm really running out of things to write to justify keeping this column going. Maybe she will do something interesting now. That well, she needs to that. before the 20th when the column's due. Okay, she will. She will. Promise She's you. better. Well, hopefully it'll be a, a massive injury. Or she'll do a Charleston or something. I assume you've milked the tail chopping off thing. Oh, yes. Worth. That and the paw being stabbed all the way through. Yeah. Um, the last one, the most recent, if you get a copy of the Cats magazine. Yes. I'm really pleased with the latest column. John's proudest work. It's one, on of my fun, it's one of my finest uh, uh, cat columns. Actually, is it the case now that the cat is the is your longest gig? No, I think I know. I did run, I did there back for ten years. You did what? There back the budget column in PC Gamer. Two okay, page, and how long have you been page, doing? And how long have you been doing the cat? It's less than ten years. Are you sure? I've done. Well, hang on, let's do the maths. I've done. Remember, 20... remember, remember, remember. You'll be dead soon, and time doesn't make any sense anymore. So I, I can tell you, I've done twenty-four of them, and there are four years. It's only been six years. Okay, as long as you promise. I promise. Okay. Um, yeah, so there back was my longest running. What I've been doing, rum, do, uh, the, what the rock paper shotgun for ten years this year. And the and the rum doings podcast. Um, that's been going for. We've been doing about two years. About about no, it's about three. Don't you think? Oh, it doesn't feel like three. Gosh, no. can't <laughs> believe it's been three years already. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, you were very pleased with your latest, the cat. Yeah, it's funny. It's like it's a bunch of observation comedy about how awful Lucy is. Is it ever available online? No, it doesn't. I I don't know. I've never looked. I don't think they have a particularly good website. I think the mag. I don't think you can even buy the magazine in shops. I think you pretty no. much find it at your vet is your only chance of. of are you allowed? To, are you allowed to post it on your blog? Um, I don't know if I've ever even signed a contract with them, so I'm not quite sure what my republication rights are. Well, why don't you ask them? Say, can I post back issue uh, co- columns anywhere? And well, I, some- I think our, I think our listener would like to read them. Some some have argued I should publish them as a little book, a little collection. I think you're right. Well, now there's, think... there'll be 25 of them come this uh, a month. That's enough, isn't it? 25 times 750 is uh, eight, more than eight words. A little booklet, yes. A little I pamphlet. Yes. Um, uh, you know, it sounds like something Ed Reardon would do. Uh, what do you call them? Uh, he, 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 a monograph. Ed Reardon go, ghost wrote a, a book imagining what cele- celebrities' pets were saying about their owners. I forgot, was it, it wasn't called Creature Comforts. Oh, my goodness, what was it called? It was very funny. Ed Reardon's Week, which is on uh, a very long-running uh, on Radio 4, uh, based uh, very loosely on a character called Edwin Reardon from a 19th century novel. I did not um, know that. Indeed. So, yes, it's a... Uh, but, but yeah, and he always goes to write these these really naff books like, you know, uh, barbecuing with Chris Akabusi or <laughs> stuff like that. And Pet Peeves, that's what it was called. Pet oh, peeves. good work. Pet Peeves. That's very good. I discovered yeah. a, a, a dreadful good program on the iPlayers recently. Go on. It's called Second Homes. Oh, dear. Can you guess what it's about? Um, d- it, either very rich people or divorced people. It sounds like it should be a sitcom starring Prunella Scales, doesn't it? Um, She's too senile to do that sort of thing now. In, it's from the it's from the iPlayers. It's from BBC. It's from 1983. It is in oh, fact. It is in fact. It is in fact about uh, Sherlock Holmes' grandson oh. and Doctor Watson's grandson. Oh, I see what they've done there. Yeah. Although 
second homes with grandsons doesn't really make sense but anyway, it was an attempt to set it in the early 80s with the same sort of characters except that watson is thick and but has no concept that he's thick and um holmes is utterly uninterested in solving crimes but watson keeps forcing him into it it doesn't quite work but it's also quite good the the sad thing is the desperate like oh that reminds me of a thing your grandfather said holmes it's like stop doing that stop doing that bit you don't need that bit it's funny these modern reimaginings of Sherlock Holmes obviously been going on pretty yes. much since the end of uh, Conan Doyle's run. Indeed, indeed, well, that's definitely true because people picked up and ran with him, didn't we? Who's the? Oh, I've forgotten. Who's the French author who Holmes ripped off a lot and then ripped and then ripped him off back again? And they would they would overlap. I've forgotten. Yes, I know. Um, I know of which you speak. And when you say Holmes, you mean Conan Doyle? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Holmes, he wrote those books about the detective Doyle. Yeah, that was Doyle actually was a what... fascinating old bonkers chap, wasn't he? Yeah, believe of course the concept of fairies, well, he in fairies, but he, he also believed, believed in fairies, etc., etc. He believed in fairies, which is more famous for, but he and he was utterly convinced by the um, like two girls. The Cor- is it the Corrington uh, Cottingley or something? Cotting- yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, I can't remember one. The, the Terry Jones book of flat of, of pressed fairies always I always confused with the real thing. Have you ever seen that? No, it's an amazing Terry Jones and an, and an artist whose name I've rudely forgotten put together a. It was M- Mrs. Cottingley's book of pressed fairies or something like that, and so it's uh, a book where each page has had a fairy splatted between the pages as like a, a wild flower. Ah, uh, uh, that sounds like a very good uh, Terry it's Jones. Tremendous. Another another celeb who's too dementia riddled to speak now. So, so it's, it's lucky you've got horrible. a choice to meet him. I got to talk to him before that happened. I'm very sorry. Excited I beg your so. pardon. I beg your pardon. He's lucky that he had a choice. That's a right. Well done. Well said. Yeah. yeah. Not that he'll remember. I uh, know. I don't think there's anything wrong with his memory. That's the brutal tragedy of his situation. Is he's just trapped inside his own head. Oh. Uh, well, awful. there are worse heads to be trapped in. Awful, awful business. Not too bad. I mean, imagine, imagine. You, you, <laughs> Imagine you were tra- imagine that you were you were uh, trapped inside Nigel Farage's head. Piers Morgan's head. Which head would you prefer to be trapped in? Oh, neither. Oh, oh. Terry Jones. You'd be oh, much- sorry. I thought I was choosing between Piers Morgan and Nigel Farage. No, sorry. no, no. You'd much prefer to spend time in Terry Jones's head than Nigel Farage's. This is true. Although I imagine Nigel Farage would prefer to spend time in his own head than Terry Jones in his. Theresa May's head must be a very spooky place to be. Oh, it's like all got bats flying around it. It is. She tried to laugh yesterday. I saw the photograph the on the front page of the mirror. Oh my and she, goodness! And, it's, and it's the first time. It's the first time she's ever tried laughing in her life. And it didn't <laughs> work. It failed. <laughs> she's going to have to do have an inquiry on what went wrong. And that's it's uh, it's me, it's me, Nick. I'm being punished. Really? By this by this, this tax? Of course you are, and yeah. so uh, but and you deserve it. I like the. I was really impressed by Philip Hammond's complete ignorance when he said, um, "There's a terrible disparity between self-employed tax breaks." It's like, yeah, yeah, that's because self-employed people don't have to pay for their own offices and equipment and heating and electricity. That's why there's a disparity, you moron. Well, no, but one of the arguments was that uh, self-employed people should have to pay lower taxes; they get fewer benefits. Um, but the uh, his argument was we're going to start giving them more benefits like paid paternity leave and so on. So the tax. But that's irrelevant. If I work in an office, then my uh, my 
my office space is paid for, my heating, my electricity, my equipment. But not your transport. Everything is fa- funded. If I work not from home, I have to pay a hundred percent of that myself. So of course, no. Of hold course, on. there should be a disparity. Hold on. What if you work for a company but you work from home? Well, then, if you're full time employed by the company, they'll be paying for your equipment, so it's not a problem. Mm, I and don't I know. imagine they'll be paying for your your costs at home as well. Well, your heating, really? They're going to. You think that Googlers who work at home are have their heating paid by Google? I would have thought there would be some sort of some sort of. I, I, I mean, you up. can't. Usually, you can do some sort of tax deduction, but you have to. Do well, no, that's the way it works. So, so for me, I've, when I was when I was self-employed, when I was freelance. So actually, you should pay the exact same tax, and you should just do deductions. That's what should happen. So Philip yes. Evans is right, and you're wrong. Well, that's what. I, so when I, I've been self-employed, but uh, you pay, you claim back a percentage of your household bills on, yes. on your tax. Yes. So, but, but you know, but the, that's one of the benefits that you get as being self-employed. He seems to be yeah. wanting to deduct, make you pay more money for having that right to do that. Yeah, no, you should pay the same amount of tax, and then you have the right to deduct therefrom. What's well, wrong I, with that? Because I, why should you pay less tax and then deduct from it? Because I don't think you pay. Because I don't think you pay less. Because I don't think you pay less tax. That's the point. I don't think you are paying any less tax than PAYE. You are. Well, you're paying less national insurance, I think, or were. Um, but again, that's because you can't claim back on that anyway. And it, and it's a bit rum. Somebody who's abused the NHS in the last week, like you have, complaining about national insurance, whereas I, on Friday, am going to be giving blood to the NHS. I so, I would like to point out that I'm actually happy to pay more national insurance. I don't think it is enough anyway. But, yes. but then I earn a decent salary. I don't think it should affect someone who was me... Ten years ago, when I was earning a very not decent salary working from home, but I don't think it would because you'd be—I think you'd be below the threshold anyway. I think I would now. I wasn't then. Yeah. The threshold wasn't nearly as fair back then. Yeah, that was the one good thing that your Mister Cleggs did. Yeah, actually, I have to be honest. The the budget yesterday wasn't terrible. Who was the helicopter going past? Ooh, mm. ooh, well done. Thanks. Do you think the budget yesterday was terrible? I, I haven't really right. had Compared a good. Look, I haven't had a good look. I've been mostly sat in an armchair playing video games. I mean, they, games. apparently they, they they they've given another two billion pounds to social care and that kind of thing. So they were making the right noises. But nothing, uh, I imagine it's been rea- the response is apparently the it, it's a budget that targets the 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 low income self employed, and so that means that that's the white van man. So all the papers have gone gone furious. Well, I'm, I, that's quite a. Uh, a brave thing to do for a Tory. Well, isn't it's, it? it's also an election pledge v- violation as well. So it's a strange thing, especially when you could make. It's going to cost. Apparently, people are going to be paying an extra two hundred and sixty self-employed people extra two hundred and fifty quid a, a year or something, mm. um, which is, seems like that's money that rich people could have afforded to pay better. Mm. But you could have taken that from rich people slightly better than from poor people. But it's, that's what you get from a Conservative government. And if people in this idiot country keep voting for them, then they have to expect poor people to be robbed to pay for the rich. Yeah, but uh, it's not the sort of poor people you'd expect. It's the sort of poor people who are their base. Yes, it's an odd choice. And the papers are furious. What are you yeah. doing? You're running up and down the stairs. Goodness me. No, it always just poured some tea. This is very noisy. How long? I can't see how long we've been going for. I'm nowhere near the screen. 51 minutes. Goodness me. I feel like we've just stopped doing the podcast and just started having a chat. We have. This feels more like post-podcast chat to me now. It does. Shall we say goodbye then? No, let's just keep going forever. Okay. Let's, um, I was, yeah, if we're going to do post-podcast chat on the podcast, I should say Laura was saying that we need to get you guys to come down here so Judy can play with Toby. 
I think that's very true. Toby's I mean, old a... enough now to be able to play with her. Okay, but I th- uh, but I thought that you, um, when little girls approach you, basically shoot them in the head like you did to that little girl in the coffee shop the other day. <laughs> that's a, such an odd parody for looked after her for forty five minutes while her mum sat on the phone. My brother agreed. In the M- my brother agreed that you hadn't been sufficiently Christian. You should never have repudiated her at all. I didn't do anything of the sort. I told her that when I at a certain point, Toby. Toby was getting quite upset that this girl was playing with all his toys and he was and he's because he's two and she was four. Um, I feel sorry for her. I felt extraordinarily sorry for her, which is why I looked after her for so long and why in when I had to go home and take Toby with me, I was imploring her to get her mother to actually do some bloody parenting. Her mother was a dreadful woman and I was so angry. Uh, she might have just been you and your trouble. brother dreadfully impugned me i looked after that girl and 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 i shouldn't have had to do it and it was also woefully inappropriate that the mother without even seeing who i was didn't care that this strange man was looking after her daughter no but he knew you had a kid so he thought you'd be all right she thought you'd be all right it was Little did she know it was also just the assumption that i would i was happy to babysit her girl because she was no, annoyed see, at her being stuck in, no, in canesham for her i hour. think actually i think we agree that's the bit where you turn very Anglo-Saxon, because no Mediterranean sort would say, the assumption that they'd be happy to spend time with my child, that that would be a very foreign thing. Because, you know, you, of course, a child comes to your table, you're very happy to see them. The but the end. issue is, for me, and you can disagree with this bit as much as you wish, but the issue for me is those Wednesday afternoons are set aside as, as one-on-one time between Daddy and Toby. We go yeah, to the no, coffee no, shop together, will, and this I is I where he gets my full and undivided attention. Very, very, very atomistic Anglo-Saxon. I don't think Jesus would have agreed with you there. But I think the fact that I do not turn away the stranger. But I did. This is the point. I didn't. And this is what, you where shouldn't... you seem to be falling apart. No, but you, argument. but you, there was still, you were kind of resentful that you had to do your Christian duty rather than having joy in it. You, the, no, I, the resentment, what the, I realised what happened is you read all these, I was tweeting in real time what was happening and you read them back all in one go as if they had all been said in a row rather than, you know, these giant 10 minute gaps between each tweet. Actually, there. Here's a question. Why did you have to go home at that point? Why couldn't you just stay Because stayed it was time for from... Toby's tea time and, the, and otherwise we wouldn't have tea on time and then bed would be late and everything goes wrong. Hmm. It was just time to start walking home. We always leave at about quarter past five. Did um, you speak to the mother? I didn't because she would... She, I spoke to her very briefly when she came over and all she did was complain about how awful a place Kangem is to be stuck. Um, I agree. She was a very, very strange lady. Very, really... Um, Maybe she was just having character. trouble because she, you know, she had her car broke down. She was panicking a bit. She wasn't panicking. She was just uh, she, and she just didn't have. And the, it was just the heartbreaking things the daughter was saying. I said because at a certain point after she'd been with us a while, and I thought t- t- Toby was being so good for his age, he was coping really well with this. And I said after a certain while, I said, "Do you think you can go and play with your mummy for a bit now?" And she said, "I don't think my mummy wants me to play with her. I think I annoy my mummy." And it was really awful, heartbreaking. Well, of course it's heartbreaking. But at that point, you don't then say, oh, well, bugger off. No, no, I didn't. That's why I said when she said that. Then I said, oh, of course you can stay, sweetheart. <laughs> and um, and let her carry on playing. Because I was so heartbroken by the awful things she That's she a very said. sad story. Yeah, I know. And then when I did nice. leave, when I left, I said, I said to her, I'm really sorry, sweetie. We've got to go now. It's time for Toby's tea. Um, but I, what I want you to do is go to your mummy and say, mummy, I need you to play with me now. I want you to mm. say that to your mummy. And, and when I left, she, her mum was still on the phone and she was playing with another family with a, and, and with a mum who was really beautifully engaging her. So I was, but made me angry and happy at the same time. 
Well, I mean, I'm glad that people are giving this girl what she needs in yeah. her mother, isn't it, at this point? I, I don't know whether it would have whether it would have been worth going to the mother. I was I chicken and, saying, I no, and saying no, going to the mother and no 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 not doing bad saying, you know, lying and saying Toby really gets on well with your daughter. Um he'd love to uh see her again if you're ever in the coffee shop or again do uh here's my email address if, or here Toby's email address if you ever are let us know because he'd love to have a play date with her or something like that. And then maybe you could have used all your youth work stuff to give this girl a better life than she's going to have but you turned that opportunity down well i didn't there's a two two factors there one my youth work experience is for 11s plus i have no idea how to look after four-year-olds and two um uh, the woman had made it very clear how ha- much she hated being in this dreadful little town and she didn't want she just needed well, to get back enough. to bristol so i know it wouldn't she didn't exactly endear me and the, and no i didn't really want to have to raise her daughter for her no well no but you should have I should have. What I should have done. What I should have done is gone to her and said, "It fell to you whether you phone, wanted it to or not." What I should have done is gone to her and said, "Put your phone down and act like a mother to your daughter right now." But I was, I was a coward and I didn't do it. Yeah, because you have to pretend that you're not allowed to judge people, other people's parenting. Even though you do, but you have to pretend that you. I know, don't. I don't know, issue, but I was too cowardly. She was a stern and scary lady, and I, and I took mm. the easier path of just going with Toby. And I feel really bad about that. I feel very sorry for that little girl because she Me may too. end up grow up very screwed, or end up killing herself because of you. I don't think so. I think her mum seemed the sort who was. She was clearly the little girl was clearly intelligent beyond her years, and I think Mummy was very was one of these sort of academics. Who who focuses on learning rather than loving, and it was all. I imagine she will grow up to be a peculiar and extremely capable young girl. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, there's a there. I've just found out there's a um, there's a film that's being made in South Africa, and it's going to be released very soon. And apparently, it's got uh, you know it's already got some pre awards and so on. It's in the IMDb, and uh, it, it's it, it's about a case in apartheid south africa that my father was involved in Ooh. and and an actor plays him really and we knew nothing about <laughs> how exciting until we looked at imdb we saw blah blah plays mr mailer like, oh <laughs> interesting so it'll be interesting how, to see the film that is odd very... when, your, when your dad is a, an eminent legal man they wouldn't contact him and say well, i think it's a bit weird that he would have at least tried to contact him and say yeah. oh, what, what you know just for research okay. more than anything he, he's he's played by a guy who was in, in invictus apparently so it'll be interesting to see uh what that looks out i'll, I'll let people know exciting yeah shall we say goodbye to yes, the listener let's now do that because it's been nearly an hour and they'll me. want their, they'll they'll be wanting toby's tea that's right time to go home Time to go home. Listener, go and, play with go your and ask. Listener, put down the podcast and go and ask your mummy to play with you now. Yeah, because we can't be asked to look after you anymore. Because exactly. um, our children are more important than True. you, objectively. True. Bye bye. Bye bye.